Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now, watching around the world, live, it's time! What is up, miss each other how, how beautiful we think each other are we already spent an hour and a half doing that we're coming at you to talk about the top 2021 running backs for the nfl draft just going to be a brief overview of these guys there's still a lot of information a lot that you know a, lo- a lot of things that we still want to go over with them but to me it's pretty cut and dry kev is a little more excited than i am so let's just uh let's just jump right into it man um at the top it is it there's the same three names that we see all the time. That's Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne. I'm going to give you the floor first. I know you have an RB1 that might be slightly different than the the rest of the group, but tell us about your guy and why you were so excited about him. Yeah, well, I already did a video on him, and it's the man, the myth, the legend, Javante Williams. I feel like I, I feel pretty good that I, I think I was. Uh, much more ahead of the curve than most people were um, for Javante Williams back in early January. Uh, I started watching tape and he was one of the first guys I watched and it is undeniable the the man's ability. Like He is so fun to watch. And the one thing that I said in my video that you can watch uh, on our YouTube channel is the Javante Williams NFL profile, but that man will run through a motherfucker's face. Like he, he just runs violently. He crushed it this year in a backfield that, you know, might've been probably, or, not even might have been, was the best running back tandem in all of college football this past year with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who was kind of thunder and lightning-esque in North Carolina. But he had a 30.4 college dominator, 8.4% target share. He ended up through his career, 366 rushing attempts for 2,300 yards, 29 rushing touchdowns. He had 50 receptions for 539 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. But really, he really broke out was this past year, which is junior season, uh, 157 rushing attempts, uh, 1140 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns, 25 receptions for 305 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. Uh, he also led the nation. I mean, he basically broke PFF. Uh, he led the nation with a 0.48 broken tackles per rushing attempt, which is the most they've ever charted for any running back in, in their database. 720 yards after contact, which was fifth, 4.59 yards after contact per attempt, which was ninth. 75 avoided tackles, which was number one in the nation. And he did all this by only with, uh, he was 19th in the in the nation and, and rushing attempts. So he was uber efficient. The first thing that pops out to you, and I know it's kind of a buzzword attribute to use towards these guys now is, is contact balance, but it, it truly, truly is. Like you watch this guy run and it he just runs with, it's not just aggression, but he runs with power. He can, he also has the ability to use utilize a jump cut. He can, you know, he has some wiggle to his game. He, the, the only really weakness to me that I that I really saw that he doesn't have like that true elite speed. He's not somebody that's probably going to rip off an 80 yard touchdown in his career. That's probably not in really in his game or in his bag. 
he certainly has enough speed. Like, I think he's probably going to come in like low four five or a high four four. I think that's probably somewhere in the range of I think where he'll run in terms of forty uh, and in terms of forty time. And the, the other thing that really stood out to me as well was just his his ability as a pass blocker. Like, he's an excellent pass blocker. He will square up and take on anybody as a pass blocker. And really, there were times they used Javante, you know, as a run blocker to, you know, they had when they had Michael Carter and Javante Williams at the same time, and he would block for Michael Carter. So it was, he was a super impressive prospect for me. He is definitely a three down back. And I think if he could land somewhere like Pittsburgh, I think that would be a great landing spot for him. Arizona, San Francisco, like all these spots, I think would be really good landing spots for him. And I, to me, like I said, he is my number one running back in this. It's not a huge gap between him and Najee Harris, but it, to me, it's, it's a sizable enough one where I, I feel really confident in him as the RB1. My, my top tier is Javante and Najee Harris. And that, like, I'm, I'm hoping we didn't get it last year. Landing spot in the NFL draft did not help us in terms of rookie rankings outside of like Clyde, whenever he jumped from, you know, RB5, RB6, all the way to one. But they are super close to me as well. They're neck and neck. To me, they're similar prospects just in terms of their play style, their aggression, like you were talking about Javante and, you know, how hard he runs and how physical he is. It's the same thing with Najee Harris. You, you guys know who he is by now. There's really not a lot we have to talk about with him. But basically everything that Kev said about Javante, you can put toward Najee Harris as well. The thing that Najee did have – and to, to be fair, Javante – probably could have had if he wasn't splitting the time with Michael Carter their their production and their their attempts and their catches are basically split in half but between the two um Najee did have 70 catches over his past two years with Bama and uh obviously Javante was hovering around the uh the, the 20 mark so both those guys are super close to me. Landing spot, hopefully, is going to be the thing that that dictates that to to bump one of them up over the other. Like I said, to to me, those are the two that are in my top tier. Just those two names only. I have ETM below him, but Najee Harris, Javante Williams. If if you're not going to take the time to watch these guys on your own, I'm sure you've seen the Najee Harris highlights by now, you know, on Twitter or just watching games on Saturdays. They are, like I said, they are super similar to me. Same kind of style, same same type of running back. Both, you know, six foot, 220 plus. Najee Harris is at, at 230. So uh, th those guys I'm, I'm super excited about. Like I said, in tier one for me, neck and neck. And then the, uh, the next guy, Kev, I'd like to hear your thoughts on him. Travis Etienne. He's kind of been someone who has gone under the microscope, I feel like. We, we do it every single year. There's always somebody who we put under the microscope that everyone was really excited about at the top of everyone's list. And then it's like, you know what? We've had an extra year to look at this guy. Now let's just nitpick the shit out of him and let's find all these, th all these things that we don't like about him. So I'm curious where, uh, where you sit with ETN. Well, I, I think for me when it comes to... ETN is right there with uh, Najee Harris and Javante Williams. I would have him third in the tier or in the rankings if that's the way you want to look at it. I, I do think that there's been a little bit too much hate on Travis ETN. 
And, you know, he's somebody that probably shouldn't have came back this year, but he did. We could have said the same thing because like Najee Harris, ETN and Chubba Hubbard were all three guys. I think people were really surprised that when when they came back and returned for their senior season, which is probably still a smart move considering how many running backs were in last year's class. There was five or six guys that we knew were locked in to be top, you know, go in the top three rounds of the NFL draft where, you know, you add these other three into that. And that really probably fluctuates some things and maybe that maybe hurts one of their draft stocks. So it really helps a guy like Najee Harris who he is going to be the number one guy probably taken, you know, in this year's draft class. But I have my own concerns with Najee Harris. Like I've heard a lot of people falling over themselves in love with Najee Harris. And like he, the, the, his speed is not there. Like he only had 25 career carries of 20 plus yards. Like I don't think he ever had a carry over 35 yards. I could be wrong on that. Maybe heading into this year, he had never had a carry over. He had never had a run over 35 yards. Like he does not have that long speed like Travis Etienne does. Like Etienne has that that second gear, and I would be surprised if he ends up running four three right. And but with Najee Harris, like and uh, the, when I was watching him, like like I never saw him get hit in the backfield ever. Like ever. Like and he's running through these wide run lanes. Because Alabama's offensive line is fucking elite. And so for me, like, it was like, I was like, this is the guy everybody's excited about. Like, like, I don't know. Like he reminds me of Josh Jacobs. Like, I think that's who he's going to be. Not that that's a bad comp or a bad player to be. Like, I think Josh Jacobs is still, you know, a solid NFL running back, but I'm just not as high on him. And where I think that Travis Etienne could end up in, in terms of fantasy and the next level where, where he could probably really take over is his ability as a pass catcher one. Like, he is a terrific pass catcher. I think he could be somebody, and maybe he's more of the, not necessarily their play style, who they are, but like the DeAndre Swift of this class, who I think can be an, a, an elite pass catcher. If you look at him through his two seasons, I mean, his last year, he his senior year, he had 48 receptions on 68 targets for 588 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Year before, his junior year, 37 receptions for 432 receiving yards, four touchdowns. You know, and their offensive line wasn't exactly great this year either at, at Clemson. They were 50th in adjusted line yards, 66th in power rank, and 25th in stuff rank. So, you know, they, they weren't terrible, but they certainly weren't, you know, what you expect. But I believe they lost four starters to the NFL draft last year. So they had, you know, some some um, fluctuation there as well. But, um, you know, there were still uh, some things to like about his game this year. He was 638 yards after contact, which was 14th, 41st in yards after contact per attempt. He was 10th in avoided tackles after the rush with 44, and he had 16 runs of 10-plus yards, or he was 16th in runs of 10-plus yards, excuse me. But his strengths are absolutely his, his elite speed and his elusiveness. He also has tremendous burst, acceleration. He can get up to speed on a dime. But the, the, I think there are the, the biggest question marks with ETN, I think, for most people is going to be his vision because at certain times it, it certainly was lacking. I mean, he would run right in the back of his offensive lineman at times and he relied too much on that raw athleticism where he would just, instead of, you know, being a little bit more patient, allowing things to set up a little bit, he would try to just immediately hit a hole and it wouldn't work out for him at times. So I like Travis Etienne and I think the hate for him has gone too far. People have him at four, five, six. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Okay. Let, let, let's get out of here with the hot tank bullshit. And like, like, like heading into this year, again, once again, for most people, Travis Etienne was like one or two. Okay. And yes, he did. He dropped off a little bit, but I think we're putting a little bit too much fucking stock into what this year was. And I, I think it's a little bit ridiculous. He improved as a pass catcher. He took a little bit of a step back as a runner. He only had 914 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, only on 168 attempts. 
but he's still that dude. I still think he belongs in the same conversation with Javante and Najee here. Yeah, the, the the reason why I have him a tear down from Javante and Najee is just because his size. I mean, two two hundred, two hundred five, depending on where you're looking. Uh, I, I I much prefer the you know the the two twenty, two thirty of of the other two. And then you you already touched on his vision a little bit. I I do think that is lacking in some instances. And then just like some of the quotes that, that have like come out with him about being nervous about catching the ball and, you know, not wanting to get hit and there part of the things that have been nitpicked with him have been some of the, the clips that have come out on Twitter. If you've been following along with, with any of the, uh, you know, the, the draft Twitter and dynasty Twitter is some of the clips that have been shown of him where, He's about to take on contact and he just he's he's turning his body and he's not going into that contact. He's shying away from it. And I personally didn't see that when I went back and looked at some of his 2018 and 2019 tape. I didn't see that. So I don't know if this is a if this is a new thing in 2020. I don't know if he was trying to protect himself from being hurt because of the draft. I don't know what it was, but there were a bunch of instances and you can find these clips on Twitter, like I said, where you know, there, there's a, a safety, a corner, a linebacker. It didn't really matter who it was coming toward him. And you would see him, like, turn and shield himself and also stop his momentum. So he's, like, stopping and turning. And it was it was just weird. Like I said, 2018, 2019, I didn't see it. That could be a concern going forward. Um, you know, was he just protecting himself? I'm not sure. But moving things along, uh, at the Four spot. Who do you uh, who do you want to touch on here? Because I know we have some differing opinions after these top three. Well, my top five is probably a little bit different than what yours is. Um, to be honest with you, but I think for a lot of people who are consistent, you probably have Michael Carter coming in at four. I would think for most people, and you are the Michael Carter savant and the Michael Carter lover. And I think you have a Michael Carter teddy bear that you sleep with every night. So why don't you wax poetically? on Michael Carter and what you love so much about him because I, I will say this just really quickly like when watching him like he, he is a, an impressive running back right he doesn't have the size you know I've seen him listed anywhere from 5'7 to 5'8 um, he is just a little over 200 pounds but when you're you know that, that is still pretty thick as the, as the kids say these days with the double C so he, he is not some little small running back but it is hard to deny he does run with some uh, some pretty good power for a guy his size and I think that he he can be somebody. But for me, I think he's more of a 1B. And I know you think he can be a 1A. So why don't you tell everybody why you think he could be a 1A at the next level? Yeah, I, what when I said 1A, I, I was more thinking more along the lines of like a 60-40 a kind of guy. I don't think he'll be a 70-30, a 80-20, something like that. But I, I do think he could be a 60-40, a somebody in like a uh, the 49ers and Shanahan system I think would be really fun. He was listed at the – he was measuring the senior bowl at 57202. So he hits that BMI threshold that BMI Twitter loves to go at. But in terms of just pure running back, just the way that he handles the running back position, I truly think he's top three in this class. And the, the only thing that's holding him back is his size. And unfortunately, that's nothing he's going to be able to change between – now in the pro day, he's not going to shoot up from 5'7 to 5'11. He's not going to add another 30 pounds. So unfortunately, because of that, I, I do think he's not going to get the the NFL draft capital. And so he's going to fall a little bit, even though there has been a bunch of hype with him from the Senior Bowl. A couple of guys, uh, you know, kind of st starting to get excited about him 
on Twitter threads and things like that. But just his, the thing I think he does maybe better than anybody in this class is his patience and his vision at the line of scrimmage. He set, he allows his blocks to get set up really well for him, which is a huge plus, obviously, with someone being at, you know, 202. You're not going to see him run through a motherfucker's face like Javante Williams. You're not going to see him break a, a bunch of tackles just with pure strength. But he's also not going to get knocked back a bunch. You're not going to see him lose a lot of yards. He's just a really smart runner. Whenever he knows that the the play is dead and done, what you'll see a lot of other smaller running backs, especially at the collegiate level, do is you're going to see them backpedal, try and reverse field and go, you know, uh, east and west and try and make yards up that way. You're not going to see that with Carter. Once he knows he has nowhere to go and that play is dead, he's just going to try and get positive yards. Like I said, you don't really see him, see him get blown up too much outside of some pass protection reps, and he doesn't take a, a lot of negative yards. So it's unfortunate that uh, you know his his size is going to hold him back a little bit and not let him be a, a true workhorse. But he has a three down skill set, and I do think he could be a 60-40, 55-45, 1A kind of back. And, you know, the same way he was with Javante at UNC. And you touched on it earlier. By far the best running back tandem in uh, in college this year. Pretty much echo with most stuff you said. Um, I, I noticed a little bit more. I thought there was times with his vision that it was inconsistent at times. Um, you know, there was plenty of times he had kind of trouble diagnosing which running lane to choose from. And he would, would end up running into the back of his offensive lineman or get tackled in the backfield. Um, it wasn't, it was more of an inconsistency. It's not something that's glaring that you just saw all the time. Um, probably something that those are things that he could definitely work on and improve on at the next level. Stuff that, that I think they could. And he's also a really bad pass blocker. Uh, you're never going to probably ask him to to line up in the, in, at the next level and be a, and be a, you know, a pass blocker. But I, I don't think NFL teams should be using him that way anyway. You know, he, he's a guy I think that you could put out and, and line up on the, in the slot put out there as a wide receiver and use them out there as well. So I think those are, are positive. So in, in any PPR format, like Michael Carter is going to be a guy that, you, that you're going to want. Um, I, I tend to believe that he probably falls more in line probably with the Duke Johnson, not size-wise, but like Tariq Cohen type, you know, Chris Thompson guy type type of player. But I know you think he can be a little bit more in that. And But, I mean, everything else he did, I mean, he was sixth in yards after contact. It's 4.4 yards after contact per attempt. Uh, fifth and missed tackles force first and carries a 15 plus yards and 1.93 yards per out run, which was 15th. So, I mean, he, he was just as efficient as um, Javante Williams was and just super fun to watch. So um, I think that's pretty much all I got on Michael Carter. Uh, I think we're just a little bit different, but I, I think we both agree that he is, um, I think probably a little bit undervalued right now in terms of the community and probably something that's going to move up a little bit further from here. I, I think that we could go a number of different dir directions, but I think Kenny Gainwell probably feels like the next guy that in the logical order of guys to talk about coming from Memphis. Like the, the biggest issue with, for me with him. And again, he's another guy that you can go and watch Matt Jackson did a uh, player profile on Kenny Gainwell as well. That's on our YouTube feed, but 511, 191. That's, which obviously stands right out of that. that that's going to be a problem at the NFL level. Hopefully, he can put on because uh, he did set out. Uh, he did set out his the 2020 season due to COVID, which was probably a smart move. Hopefully, over this time, he's been able to maybe put on you know 10 to 15 pounds of weight because I think he's going to need it. There's no way he's going to be able to compete at that size at the NFL level. But he had a 27.5 college dominator, 13.8 target share, target share, which was 90 percentile. Uh, you have to go back 2019. He was uh, 14, 1,459 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns, 
51 receptions on 61 targets, 610 receiving yards, 2.39 yards per route run, which was fifth among all running backs, 791 yards after contact, which was 21st, uh, 56 avoided tackles after the rush, 23rd, and 16th and runs of 10-plus yards. This dude is a dynamic playmaker. Uh, he has great vision, elusiveness, footwork. Uh, his pass-catching ability is certainly there. If he can put on 20 pounds and not lose some of the stuff that, that really stood out to me when watching this guy, like he very well could be the sleeper of this class, right? Kind of like what Antonio Gibson you know, was last year for a lot of people. Obviously, he has much more tape. Antonio Gibson was much more raw in terms of who he was, a much bigger athlete, much bigger guy, completely different in that sense. But I think Kenny Gainwell could be the guy that kind of rises up for people to kind of be the, the more of a, a more of a sleeper type for people. Because, I, I mean, the people are, are all over the place with Kenny, Kenny Gainwell as well. But there's a lot to like from him. They also utilize him a lot in the slot. He ran 71 routes from the slot as well. So that was something I, that I like to see. So, like, he has the, the requisite skill set to be a three-down back, but he has to put on that weight because if he doesn't, there's no way he's ever going to come in there. But where did you come in on Kenny Gainwell? He's kind of sitting right right at that five spot for me. I keep cycling through a, a couple of these players because, you know, we, we were talking beforehand just in terms of, like, there, there's no one that's, like, really outside of, like, the top three. And then, you know, as much as I love Michael Carter, I'm also a realist. I think there's another – there's the top two, ETN in a, in a second tier, and then a, a third tier starting for me with Michael Carter. But it, like, if I'm going one to five, you know, it's kind of like Kylan Hill, Kenny Gainwell kind of keeps getting rotated in. You were touching on already on uh, a lot of the things that I like about him as well. Whenever you watch his film, they lined him up everywhere. They put him in the slot. They put him outside. They motioned him around. So I, I think that's something that – you know, with, with Michael Carter, you said that that was something you think he could do. Well, we don't have to worry about that with Gainwell. Like, we know he can do it. There's there's no, like, I, I you know, I think he could because of this. We already saw it with Gainwell. The, the one thing that I, and maybe it's just kind of being scorned by this guy already, but no, not even necessarily being scorned, but Daryl Henderson came out of the same school. And the thing that he had too was just wide open running lanes, and you see that a lot of the times too with with uh, with Gainwell. Is you know he'll he'll kind of just make one little cut, one read, and then all of a sudden just driving a bus through a hole. And with with his athleticism and burst, you know you're you're not going to catch him too many times. But like I said, the the things that I do like about him is we we really don't have to worry about like okay, well he's smaller, but could he be a good pass catcher and kind of be one of those PPR plus running backs like we already know he can do it you were touching on his reception numbers and the, the the amount of the amount of routes that he ran out of the slot so there's no no projection there I do like Gainwell but like there's just still part of me that's like is he more athlete than running back and like you said if he doesn't put on that weight you know the people that have Kenny Gainwell in their in their top five but are trying to knock Michael Carter for his size and having Gainwell in their top five fuck out of here with that because he's smaller than what Michael Carter is right now. No, yeah, for sure. Like he he's gonna have to he's one of the pro days that I'm really looking to check out and see just where he comes in weight wise. Um not even so much how he runs and everything else, but I want to see, you know, what he did in that off time of through through 2020. So I am looking forward to see that with him because he's got to put on weight. If he if that's if he's still anywhere around that, even at like 195, it it, it certainly is gonna ding him a little bit. He, he's not gonna be able to be anybody's gonna be trusted in the NFL to be a three down back. And he's probably going to end up being like a satellite back. 
which would be a shame. And that is what our top five running backs look like for the 2021 class. Let us know how wrong we are, who you like, who you don't like, and who you think that we are missing. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Got a bunch of uh, content coming out soon. And hit us with a like if you like this video at all. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.